Hey, we've been in a, um, a little bit of a series on the, the Holy Spirit. started last week with uh, celebrating Pentecost Sunday and all of that 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 means for us, the door that it opens for us, the reality of the Holy Spirit filling the disciples in the early church and really making an impact that we're still talking about today, right? We're still here celebrating Jesus because of the ministry of those early disciples that literally took that gospel in a first century world and around the world. And these were ordinary men and women. There was nothing special about them, unique about them. The, the only thing we could track it back to in terms of how this all happened is the reality of the Holy Spirit's power falling on that day in Pentecost when they came out of that room having been timid and shy just a little bit before and then really birthing the church through their obedience and the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. And how many know that's still important for us today? We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be the kinds of people uh, that God has called us to be, to, to live in his strength and in his power, to recognize that there's a Holy Spirit on the inside of us who wants to fill us, empower us, and strengthen us for the life that we're living. And um, these aren't just things that we remember because it happened. They're things that we remember because we're asking, similar to communion, we're asking for it to keep happening in us, right? We're not just remembering what Jesus did when we celebrate communion. We're, we're looking forward to what he's continuing to do in our world. We're not just remembering what happened on the day of Pentecost. We're saying that's what God is still wanting to do to fill his people. It's interesting, this, this week I was reading a commentary, and how many know not all commentaries should be read or should be, um, actually, I should say this, should be taken with, you know, great authority. Because, I mean, anybody who wrote a commentary, they're just ordinary men and women like you and I are hearing from the Holy Spirit, studying scripture. Maybe they have more education. But they were parsing through, did the Holy Spirit fall on just the 11 disciples? Or did the Holy Spirit fall on the, the whole 120 that were in the upper room gathering together? And uh, the commentator said, well, it really depends on how you define the word all. It's <laughs> like, what? So he's trying to make the case that the Holy Spirit only fell on the disciples, on the, only the 11, and then the rest were kind of just along for the ride. And it's interesting because if you get down to the, are we going to really parse over the word all? How many of all means all? All means all. When the Holy Spirit fell on all flesh, and he, you can even take that further when, first, when Peter is up in front of the crowd and he said, this is what Joel prophesied of the Old Testament. In that day, your young men will dream well, your young men will dream dreams and your old men will see visions. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's what Peter's talking about. How I many know he's talking about everybody? Everybody gets in on this. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, how many know it's not, he's not just for special people. He's not just for the select chosen. He's not just for the New Testament disciples. And now you and I are left to kind of flail through this Christian life on our own, helpless in our, just our own strength, trying to figure things out. The Holy Spirit is for everyone who would say, I need more of that. I need more of God in my life. I need more power. I need more strength. I recognize on my own, man, I am helpless to live the kind of life that God's called me to live. That's who the Holy Spirit's for. Anybody who can pray that prayer and anybody who can say, I need something that's bigger than myself. We started this series with the passage, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Everybody say, by my spirit. And the whole premise has been the fact that there are things that God wants to do that will only be done, can only be done by the spirit of the living God on the inside of his obedient and filled people who are saying, man, I, I want you to do something bigger than I've experienced. 
You know, how many of you know that like it's important for us to believe that God can do things even if we have not experienced him to do those things? Let me kind of describe that a little bit. I have not yet seen someone healed by my shadow, but that happened in the book of Acts, right? I have not seen that personally. I have not seen someone healed when I prayed for a rag and it was sent, but that happened. I have not seen bodies raised from the dead, but that happened in the New Testament. That happened in scripture. And when I see that it happened, it makes me, I can do one of two things. I can say, well, why hasn't happened in my life? It must be God, right? It must be that just God doesn't want to do that anymore. Or I can say, well, why isn't that, why hasn't what happened in the New Testament happened in my life yet? Or I could say, maybe it's me, (laughs) right? Maybe I'm not nearly as hungry as those first disciples. Maybe I'm not nearly as desperate for a move of God's spirit as those early disciples. Maybe I have not been exposed to as much as God would have for me. I'm not going to put it all on God, right? I'm not going to say, well, if God wanted it to happen, it would just, it would just happen. I want to say, I'm going to take some responsibility for that, that there's more that God wants me to desire and hunger for, which is why I love that song. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do. How many know there's something that we have to do to make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives? We have to cultivate that, make room by creating time, by creating space, make room by getting rid of sin, make room by asking the Holy Spirit to change the desires of our heart. You know, if our desires are just for self-gratification and the lust of the flesh and just figuring out where we're going to get our next high, how many of you know that leaves God with not a lot of room to work with? But if we rid ourselves of those things and we ask for his forgiveness and we say, God, I'm going to open book before you. I'm going to get rid of everything that doesn't please you and I'm going to invite you into every area of my life. I think that's how we begin to make room for him. Jeremiah, who's an Old Testament prophet, he prophesied of a day in which the Holy Spirit would come when he said this, Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. Now, what law is being talked about here is the the Ten Commandments, right? The ones that were chiseled by God's hand out of stone and given to Moses. The first law, the the big ten. Those stones were put into the Ark of the Covenant and became the house of God's presence, and it traveled with the people of Israel. And he's saying, I'm looking forward through the prophet Jeremiah. I'm looking forward to a day where there won't be the stone tablets, but rather I will write my laws on their hearts and I will be, uh, I will write them on their hearts and it will be a law that's on the inside. And that day that Jeremiah is looking forward is really the day that we celebrate last Sunday when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell on the inside of people that we have access to a Holy Spirit who's no longer just in a book, but he's actually inside of us, speaking to us, drawing us near, wanting to make an impact in our life and wanting to empower us for the life that he's called us to. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for I will, get, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Now let's look at verse 34, which can be a troubling verse if your livelihood is to preach to people how to know God, right? So that's, that's me. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and brother saying, know the Lord, 
For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Here's what Jeremiah is prophesying. He's seen a day where the Holy Spirit will be on the inside of each and every believer. And the law of God will be written on your heart. And you won't need to rely or depend on a communicator, a preacher, a visionary, the latest top 10 best-selling Christian books, the latest blog post by your favorite preacher, right? The latest video from your favorite philosopher, the next best, uh, you know, personality test. What, what's, your, what's your Enneagram number, right? There's coming a day where you won't have to look for those things to be between you and I, how to know God. You'll be able to know God directly. I mean, that's the day we're living in. For Jeremiah, when he preaches this and when he prophesies this, he's saying that's what it's going to look like when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of people is they won't have to rely on the high priest. In this day, the high priest was the mediator between the people and God. That the only way to know God was to have a high priest who mediated your righteousness before God, who mediated your forgiveness, who made sacrifices for you. And so everything was dependent on the temple and the high priest. And Jeremiah prophesies of a day, hey, guess what? There's a day coming where every individual can have a relationship with God and that Holy Spirit on the inside of each and every individual will actually teach you things from the inside. You won't need a teacher. You won't need a friend telling you how to believe or what to believe. You'll have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now, how many know this is dangerous? This is dangerous. You sure you want that message to get out? You sure you want that message to get out where people don't need the preacher? And listen, I do want it to get out because here's what we've done. We've taken this vision that Jeremiah had and we've taken this desire that God had and we've gone right back in many cases to an Old Testament reality, which is give me a preacher. Well, what did what's his name say? What did that pastor say? What did that preacher say? Give me a book. Give me a help. I need the Enneagram test in order to find out what my personality type is like so that I can better serve God. I need mediate, mediators and, med, and intermediaries between me and God rather than cultivating and developing my own life with the Holy Spirit. That I have an, my own relationship with him. And I wonder if part of being the kind of powerful person that God has called us to be is, listen, don't diminish the preaching. Like, I want all of you to come next Sunday, okay? Don't walk out of this service and say, well, I guess we don't have to ever come back to another church service again. Jeremiah said we don't need a preacher. Hey, hey, woo, let's go. But I'm telling you this, if all, if you're dependent on the preacher, we've got a problem, don't we? Man, if you're dependent for, for Chris Logan to set the worship mood every Sunday, if, that's, if you're dependent on that to have connection with God, to hear from the Holy Spirit, how many of that's a problem? If you're dependent on the next, uh, well, you know, I, did, I didn't like what that pastor said. I didn't like what that pastor said. And I, you know, after a few years, I didn't like what that pastor said. So I just keep going around from church to church or speaker to speaker or from blog post to blog post or from philosopher to philosopher or guru to guru or, you know, uh, podcast to podcast looking for somebody who's got the next best thing or the newest aspect. Listen, you will always find yourself as a believer wanting because what God really is after is your heart and a personal relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. You know, what will kill you faster? Uh, I guess I haven't really looked up the studies on this, but how many know smoking a cigarette 
is going to kill you eventually, right? Now, if you smoke cigarettes, please, this is not a message about smoking cigarettes. Please, I mean, you decide what you're supposed to do between you and the Lord. But a smoking cigarette will eventually kill you, you know, three packs a day, two packs a day. Secondhand smoke we know is bad, right? But it's not nearly as bad as, as smoking a cigarette. And that's a negative example. A lot of us are just receiving secondhand revelation from the Holy Spirit because our entire spiritual life is dependent on what happens on a Sunday morning from the preacher. And so this is something God shared with me and I share it to you. It's powerful. There's something to it. It's secondhand smoke. You know, yeah. It, it'll get you to heaven, you know. It'll get you to heaven and it'll, it'll, I won't say it'll kill you. It'll make you holy, you know, or it'll make you good. But it's secondhand. It's secondhand. It's what God shared to me. It's what God shared to me. And, it's, and yeah, there's some power that's being transmitted when I share it to you. There is some, but you want the real thing that you have access to? Man, he's waiting. He wants to meet you tomorrow morning on the way to work. He wants to meet you tonight. He wants to meet you wherever you're at, where you take responsibility to cultivate a personal relationship. I will write my word on their heart. My law is going to be on the inside of them. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Stones don't get to live on the inside of you. You don't get to take your Bible and shove it into the, you know, the gap between your armpit and your chest. Like the, you'd probably die. Sometimes when they do surgeries, they leave rags in your body and you get sepsis, right? That happens. Not a lot. Not if you're a good surgeon, but I've heard stories. I watched the 911. I don't know, uh, but it ha it's happened before. You know, they leave like a little tool inside when they do heart surgery. It's like, oh my gosh, I forgot my scissors, but he's, they're all sewed up. Um, and it's going to kill you eventually. Well, we don't get to do that with the word. How do we get the word inside of us? It's the person of the Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, I see a future for you that is wonderful and amazing and incredible. But then we settle and we say, yeah, but we kind of liked it the way Jeremiah had it. We just got to, we've, we've done exactly the opposite in so many cases of what God had always dreamed for us. He said, I'm going to put it in their hearts. And they said, yeah, but I like going to the temple. I like being dependent on the church service for my spirituality. And I'm just telling you, we're coming into days. It's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough to just come to church. Just hear from me and get some secondhand smoke. You're going to need the real thing. And that's it's such a terrible example. I'll give you another one. There, there, was a, there was a farmer who also liked to go out hiking. And uh, he went out hiking and he found an eagle's nest. And there was one egg and he could tell that the eagle's nest was abandoned. So he took this eagle egg and he put it in the chicken coop and it hatched. And what happened is this eagle grew up among chickens. And uh, you had this bald eagle, and it was balking like a chicken. It was talking like a chicken. It was walking like a chicken. But it could eat all those chickens. And it had no idea who it was. Right? That's, I think, the picture of what we can do with a preacher. Say, man, they got the message. That book. Oh, my gosh. Have you read dot, 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 because those are easier than realizing you're an eagle. You're called to soar. You're called to something different, and you have access to heaven. You have access to the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 1, 11, 19 says this, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh, and I will give the, them a heart of flesh. This is Ezekiel seeing 
a very similar vision of what God is one day wanting to do with his people, give them a brand new spirit. That's what happens on the day of Pentecost. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. What kind of spirit has God given you? A spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. So when I'm catapulted into a spirit of fear, I can say, that's not what, that didn't come from God. God gave me a new spirit. When I met Jesus, when I received him as my Lord and Savior, I got a, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, and I'm to have a relationship with that Holy Spirit. In Acts 2.12, and this is after they came out of the upper room and they were speaking in an unknown language, the people around them said, man, these guys haven't learned our language, but they're speaking our language and they're telling us the very mysteries of God. After this happened, this was one of the aspects of what it looked like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. After this happened, the people amazed and perplexed in Acts 2.12, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know, they, they pr they're preaching, they're talking about God in our own language, and it's not a language they learned. It's this power of the Holy Spirit. How many know it meant everything? Everything from this moment forward was going to be forever different. Something had shifted in the atmosphere. Something had changed in the way that God was going to do things in lives of people. John 14, 16, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall send you a comforter that he may abide with you forever. So I want to talk about five prayers, five prayers that we're called to pray to the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. And it's really, it's five aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives. And the first prayer is this, is Holy Spirit, be my comforter. Holy Spirit, be my comforter. Now, I don't know if you're like me, the first thing I hear, think of when I think of comforter, I think of like my comforter on my, my king-size mattress. We upgraded recently, and I'm going to tell you, King is the way to go. If there's, if there's, if you're living with somebody who's your spouse that you're married to, um, and if you're together and you're in a queen, I'm telling you, we were in a queen for 10 years, and we moved to a uh, to a king about seven years ago, and it's like, is it life changing, Lindsay? It changed my life. That's right. <laughs> it is absolutely life changing. I love my wife, but I also love my space, you know? And in a king-size mattress, I'm a big man. In a king-size, and it's a cow king, right? So it's like bigger than a king. Like it's like, I don't know, max, it's like maximum king. Whatever king there is, if there's one that's maximus, that's what we have. We have max king. And I mean, I can spread out. I mean, I can get, I can get full tilt on there and I'm still not touching her. And it's wonderful. And it's wonderful. Not because I don't love to touch my wife, but I don't like to get hit because I am. All right? So um, I, when I think of a comforter, I think of that. I think of our comforter on our mattress. How many know I do think there's aspects of the comforter? How many know when you lose a loved one, the Holy Spirit comes to comfort? The Holy Spirit comes to comfort. But when I think about the, the lives that the early church and the disciples lived after this moment, it wasn't necessarily that the Holy Spirit came to comfort them after they lost Na loved ones through natural causes, though I've prayed that prayer for people who've lost loved ones. I've said, Holy Spirit, come. You're the comforter. Comfort them in their time of loss. Comfort them in their time of need. Nothing wrong with that prayer. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. But I, I had to ask myself this question. What happened for the early church and the disciples after the day of Pentecost is life, because their obedience to God's word, and because they were people that were all about the kingdom of God, their life got very, very uncomfortable. 
from this day forward. From the day of Pentecost on, they saw great things that God did through them, but their life was very uncomfortable. They went where God said, go. They moved around. They fled Jerusalem to the ends of the earth because of persecution, because of pain, because of imprisonment, because of getting beaten, because of getting whipped. I mean, they all, aside from John, they all, he's the only one that died of natural causes. They all were persecuted and killed for their faith. I mean, life got very uncomfortable for them. And so I don't think it was just the Holy Spirit is our comforter because he wants to comfort us in our time of lust. The Holy Spirit is our comforter because part of being a disciple, part of being a person who's all about the kingdom of God is the natural outflow of that will be, you will be led into uncomfortable spaces. You'll be led into uncomfortable places. You'll be led into discomfort when it comes to just your beliefs how many of you know if you hold a biblical worldview and a lot of the issues in today's world, how you know that is going to make you uncomfortable in many settings? There's going to be many settings where it's uncomfortable to share your faith. It's uncomfortable per, to pray for the sick. It's uncomfortable to talk about the things that God is doing in your life. Why do we need a comfort, a comforter? Because God's called us to do uncomfortable things. How many know growth in and of itself is uncomfortable? And this is terrible news for the American dream, all right? This is just terrible news because the American dream is comfort and convenience. I'm going to tell you my own little story right now. I found, I love sushi. I think sushi is wonderful. And I think there's good sushi and there's bad sushi. And then there's this whole realm in the middle just called okay sushi, right? It's not going to kill you, but it's also not something you're going to really advertise a lot. Like you just, but it's okay, and for the price, it's like, that's okay, you know? I, I, that's, that's a better way to go. I found a sushi restaurant that you can get sushi drive through You can order. It's, it's the only one of its kind. It's on Madison. All right, and it's, and it's just, <laughs> listen, it's just okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not, but it's okay enough that it's like, you mean I can, I can eat sushi and I don't have to park my car and pick it up? Like, I can literally stay in my car like Jack in the Box and eat suit, like eat a spicy tuna roll through a drive-thru, and I'm all on board. Comfort and convenience. This is wonderful news. Comfort and convenience. I don't have to leave my car, and I get to have sushi. This is the American dream. Comfort and convenience. Many of us are working for a retirement where we envision comfort and convenience. Why do we need a comforter? Because we are called to uncomfortable places. And we have so grown detached from this reality that I think we've missed the power of the Holy Spirit in much of our lives. That he wants to show up powerful, but if we never allow ourselves to be in an uncomfortable situation, we miss out on the power of his comfort. Because why would we need a comforter if life was always comfortable? And if we create a life that's always comfortable, we can miss out on the power of the comforter. I have found that my need for the comforter has been most real when it comes to sharing my faith or being a bold witness in circles, in friendship circles, you know, where I'm not sure how it's going to go. And oftentimes it doesn't go well, you know, and there's rejection that happens and it brings up all my own insecurities when people don't like me. It's like, wow, how simple like that. I would get offended and hurt because people don't like me. That's an opportunity for the comforter to come in and to comfort you. It's interesting that we'll do crazy things on missions trips. We'll take risks 
and all these different things when we're in the third world, you know, and this has happened to me. I've been in Africa and Cambodia and Mexico and Panama on missions trips. And each time it's been like, oh yeah, we'll take risks and we'll preach the gospel and we'll share our testimony because there's a group of us and there is amazing how much comfort there is when you have a group of people that are all sharing the same vision of what we're called to do together. And then you go back to your circle, say you share your faith on the sidewalk or you pray for somebody on the sidewalk and then you can immediately retreat to your circle of comfort. And they're like, man, that was awesome. You're like, yeah, it was. I was terrified, but you're awesome. You know, it's like, wow, it's comfort. We really need this in our life, don't we? The comforter wants to come because we live in places of discomfort while becoming people who participate in the kingdom and make the kingdom what our whole lives are about. John 14, 27 says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Those are Jesus' words. I'm giving you peace, but I'm not gonna give it to you the way the world gives it to you. The world gives you peace, but it's temporal. It's temporary and it's only conditional based on what you're currently experiencing. I want to give you a peace that comes within because the power of the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you and you can face anything that the world throws at you. The second th prayer that we're called to pray to the Holy Spirit is, Holy Spirit, show me the truth. Holy Spirit, show me the truth. John 14, 26 says this, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. There's two things I see in here that the Holy Spirit wants to do when it comes to your time in his word. That when you're studying the Bible, the Holy Spirit wants to teach you, everybody say all things, and remind you of all things. Now listen, there was a time in my life where I had to put a reminder in my phone just to tell my wife I loved her, okay? That's crazy. And listen, it wasn't because, listen, it wasn't because I didn't love her. I loved her. I just forgot to tell her, like all the time. I just, I'd go a month without telling her that I loved her. And so the reminders in my phone were super helpful. The Holy Spirit, as you're studying God's word, listen, the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you to remind you of the truth that's been deposited as you've spent time in his word. How many of you just get irritated Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, uh, time in the God's word, and you just feel like it's in one ear and out the other? Like, am I really growing? Am I really hearing? I'd invite you to do this. Ask the Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me all things. Remind me, God, I'm going to open your word. Holy Spirit, as I open your word this morning, Lord, as I study this scripture, Lord, would you let it penetrate my heart? Holy Spirit, illuminate the text that I would see what you're trying to tell me. I don't want to just study and forget, Lord. I want to remember what it is you're sharing with me. And the Holy Spirit, who's reminder, how many of you, he'll lead you into all truth, both showing you the truth and then reminding you of the truth. I'm so thankful for this because there's times all the time where I am reminded of the truth of God in situations that I'm facing in real time. I'll face a situation during my week throughout my day and I'll be like, what, what direction do I go or what decision do I make? And the Holy Spirit, yeah, remember what, I, you remember that verse? Remember what I said? Remember what I shared with you? He'll remind you of all of that. He wants to do that for you and I. Holy Spirit, show me the truth. Deeper and more connected to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Bible than pop culture. How many know we need to be hearing from him more than we're hearing from the culture around us? Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says this, for the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any, than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. 
The Holy Spirit wants to illuminate scriptures to your heart. And he wants to show you things that not everybody can see. How many know you can invite the Holy Spirit to help you view politics through a spiritual lens? That you can see what God says about cultural trends and cultural phenomenons and what the culture is saying about all kinds of different issues facing our world. The Holy Spirit can give you discernment on those things. The Holy Spirit can give you discernment. We were just a part of uh, something a couple of weeks ago and we're sitting in the room and it was at our pastor's convention and uh, there was uh, a, an individual who had been hurt and who'd been wounded by another individual. And there's an, o- there's an open mic time and there's 3,000 people in the room and, and the entirety of the focus and attention of those 3,000 people came on that individual's hurt against the other individual who hurt her. And that was, that was the direction of hours of discussion that 3,000 people did not need to be a part of. I was like, and immediately something in my spirit, as they're speaking, something in my spirit, before we ever knew what was going to happen, what was being led, something in my spirit said, there's something wrong here. It's not right. Anybody ever walk into a room and you just, "Mm, something ain't right. Something ain't right. Listen, some of that could be natural, but I'll tell you what, if you're a believer, you've got the Holy Spirit on the side of you, that's called discernment. Anybody ever talking to somebody and say, this guy ain't right. Or this girl, this girl ain't right. He's usually a guy though. This guy ain't right. Like there's something going on. Like there's something off here. I mean, I had that feeling. And sure enough, there was a spirit of control, a spirit of manipulation, a spirit of shame, a spirit that wanted to be bitter and not extend forgiveness. And it dominated the conversation of an entire room of people who'd gathered for refreshing and inspiration and empowerment I see, God, how many of there's spirits in our world, man? And the Holy Spirit wants to teach you all things. And a lot of the ways he teaches us is because he's in the, on the inside of us and he's whispering things to our mind and to our heart. And that don't take that stuff lightly. Hear from him, listen to him. Especially, man, if you're raising kids, oh my goodness, you need the Holy Spirit, right? If you're raising kids, you need the Holy Spirit because I'll tell you what, there's some spirits around some toddlers. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm not saying they're, they're, they're possessed, but I'm saying there's some toddler spirits around and they're defiant and angry and vindictive. And you don't always know. You don't always know, like, are they telling me the truth or are they lying? And the Holy Spirit wants to share that with you. He wants to give you discernment. And there's been times where all the right words were being said by one of our children. They were saying all the right things and the the vocal tone was right and the attitude was seemingly right, but there was something under the surface that we knew by the power of the Holy Spirit in our discernment, in our radar, in our meter, on the inside, internally, that he said, it's not finished. That issue's not done. And sure enough, we go back around an hour later and say, hey, I don't think we're done here. (laughs) You know, and we weren't, we weren't done. There was more to do. There was more going on than what meets the eye. That can happen in our relationships, husband and wife, spouse, workplace relationships, where you know, you discern something's going on that's deeper that needs to be dealt with. Holy Spirit, show me the truth. Holy Spirit, show me the truth. The third thing, the third prayer that we can pray is, Holy Spirit, use me. John 15, 26 says this, when the counselor comes, whom I will send you to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. This is Jesus talking. He's saying, listen, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm going to send you a counselor 
who's going to talk to you about me. The Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to talk to you about me. How many know he's going to talk to believers about me? And he's talking to non-believers about me. You know, every person that you encounter that maybe God's brought into your life who's uh, distant from God, hurt by God, far from God, wherever they're at, or maybe they, they've just walked away from God, do you know that the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to them and already been talking to them and already been working on their life so that when you come along, you're just adding to the conversation about what the Holy Spirit's already doing? That takes a lot of the pressure off, right? The counselor, the Holy Spirit, he's coming and he's gonna testify about me. He's gonna talk to Jesus about, about Jesus to you and he's gonna talk to Jesus about the people who are around you and I'm telling you, a lot of the pressure comes off when you understand that when I share my faith with somebody, the Holy Spirit has already been drawing them. The Holy Spirit's already been talking to them. The Holy Spirit was talking to them when they were a little kid, when they knew that this wasn't all there was, when they knew that God was, doing, that God was bigger than what they currently experienced. He was bigger than the broken marriage that they were a part of. And they were just a little kid who watched their parents get a divorce and they were hurt and they were lonely and they were in their room crying, but they knew that God was with them. And then when you shared that, your faith with them at 27, 30 years old, way down the road, the Holy Spirit connects those dots because he's been working on their heart for years. The Holy Spirit comes to speak to people about Jesus. Here's what I love about this. Is when the Holy Spirit fills us, what does he fill us for? Look at Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses to what? To Jesus. You're going to do the same thing that the Holy Spirit does by telling people about Jesus. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be partnering with the Holy Spirit to do what? To witness to people about Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. How you know this is so important because in a lot of circles over the years, We've had a lot of debate on when somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit, what is the evidence? And four out of the five times in the book of Acts when people receive the power of the Holy Spirit, what comes along with that gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is the gift of speaking in tongues. Now, this isn't going to be a sermon about tongues. That might be for another day. There is a book in the back called The Beauty of Spiritual Language, which I recommend for everybody. Um, there's a lot of resources online. I believe that tongues can be a part of every believer's experience as they're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people in the church have debated on whether, well, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what's the sign that you've been filled? And for a long time, it was, well, you got to talk in tongues. That's, that's the sign. And other people, well, you could be one of the other gifts, right? Like a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, a prophetic, a prophetic ability that you can prophesy into the future, he, gifts of healing. How many know when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're all available to you? But I would say this, that the number one indicator that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit is that your life has some power to it. That your life has some power, not just to say no to sin, but to be a witness, to the world around you. And that's what we see in the believers. Yes, tongues of fire appeared on their head at the day of Pentecost, and they spoke in other tongues when they came out of that upper room. But how do you know what was the real indicator of their life? Those boys and girls walked with power. They walked out of that room, and the Bible says they turned the world upside down. 
They prayed for the sick and they recovered. They cast out demons. They prayed for the dead and they were raised. I mean, powerful stuff. And they went around the whole area sharing this gospel, being a witness to what they'd seen Jesus do, that Jesus lived and he worked and he taught and he died and he rose again and you can believe in him too. That was the indicator of their spirit-filled reality was that they had lives of power and influence in the world around them. The fourth thing that we can pray for is, Holy Spirit, convict me. Now, this is a challenging prayer, right? Holy Spirit, convict me. Because as soon as we read convict, we think of sin. And when we think of convict, we also think of another word that starts with T, which is condemn. And a lot of times, in, we, we have a hard time as believers when we think of sin in our lives, not feeling condemned by our sin. I think it's like the number one point of shame that the enemy uses. That when we have sin in our lives, we get condemned by it, we know it's wrong, and we just walk away sad and filled with shame because of the sin in our lives. And that's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction, and conviction is part of the process that leads us to repentance. A, a bold prayer that we can pray, well, I'll read it to you, John 16, 8. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to their sin and righteousness and judgment. Who's going to convict the world of their guilt? Who's going to do it? The Holy Spirit. Who's going to, guess what? Everybody say, not me. <laughs> Anybody ever meet a believer who feels like it's their job to convict the whole world of sin? Right? I'm just going to tell you about all your sin and how dirty you are and how much you need a savior. It's after all, it's the truth. I'm speaking the truth. Got to tell them the truth. They're dying. They're going to hell. Turn or burn. It's just the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. That's not our job. Our job is not to convict the world of sin or to convince them of their sin. Our job is to present to them Jesus, trusting that the Holy Spirit has already been working on their heart about their sin. The Holy Spirit's already been talking to them. So a prayer that we can pray for our own lives is, Holy Spirit, convict me. In fact, I would say this. If you've reached a plateau in your walk with God, if you felt like dry, going through a dry spell, it's a dry season, just not as close as I am with the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to convict you. If there's anything holding back, Lord, convict me. Is there sin in my life that's holding me back from an encounter with you? Is there anything in my life that doesn't please you? Because here's how good he is. He'll show you, but he won't condemn you for it. He'll help you deal with it. Just like a surgeon, a surgeon goes in and separates the tumor or separates the cancer from the patient, right? Doesn't try to identify the cancer to the patient. Doesn't put it together. A surgeon comes in and separates for the health of the patient. That's the way God wants to deal with your sin. He wants to come in and he wants to separate you from your sin. He wants to, to get that sin out just like a master surgeon would separate a tumor from an organ that's healthy, my job is not con to convict. My job is to be a witness. Psalm 139, this is the Old Testament version of this New Testament reality, is when King David says, Search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the everlasting path. How many of you know that's a bold prayer? Lord, Holy Spirit, on the inside of me, point out anything in my life that is offensive to you and help me deal with it. You want your life with God to skyrocket? Pray that prayer honestly a few times a week. 
and he'll show you things. The Bible says that the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. How many know I discipline my children? And I discipline my children because I love my children and I don't want them to go to prison, okay? I don't want my kids to go to prison. I don't want them to go to jail. And so I discipline them because the natural outcome of rebellion is ultimately death or imprisonment. If you decide to go down the road of rebellion and you decide that rebellion is just your thing, you're either going to die early or you're going to prison. Because that's the, old, that's the end result. If, the, if there's not a turnaround at some point, that's where you're headed. So I discipline the ones I, I discipline my kids because I love them. You don't get to talk that way. How do you know if your two-year-old spits at you, that's a problem because one day they're going to be 22 and they're going to be hucking loogies at an officer, okay? Don't let your two-year-old spit at you. And you say, well, James, that's super dramatic. How do you even know that? My cousin, all right? I will tell you. I can't be, you know, maybe that I forgot. We're on YouTube right now, but I'll just be honest with you. I, I had a family member who uh, passed away at 29 years old. Passed away at 29 years old, and the root of all of those issues were there at, at toddler. And it, 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 the root was rebellion. The root was, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I'm doing it my way. Listen, if you love your kids, discipline your kids. If you love your life before God, ask the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin so that you don't die, so that your marriage doesn't die, so that your family doesn't die, so that you don't self-destruct into any kind of uh, substance abuse or any other kind of mental engagement that you're in. Ask the Holy Spirit, convict me of my sin. Holy Spirit, don't let me go down this way. Even if, uh, convict me of the sin of, laziness, convict me of the sin of complacency, of not being intentional with my life, not being intentional about my spiritual growth. And the Holy Spirit who loves you, he will bring discipline to your life. And it's good. Discipline is a good thing. Fifth prayer, fifth prayer. If you were here at the 9 a.m., you'd get the full story on that, but it's, it's the 1030 and we're on YouTube. All right. There's perks to coming early. I'm just going to say, I mean, sometimes I say things that really ought not be said. Uh, but I have a little bit more of a filter. All right. The fifth thing is this, is Holy Spirit, guide me. Can we say that? Holy Spirit, guide me. John 16, 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. Man, we live in a world with foggy truth. We live in a world where everything of the human experience seems to be in the gray zone. Well, I don't know. Can you really say that's true? Can you really say that that's the right way to go? Can you really say that that's absolutely the truth? That may not be my truth. It may not be your truth. So we live in a world of foggy truth and gray. And then the boundaries of the gray seem to keep extending where it's not a black and white world. There's a Holy Spirit who wants to lead you into all truth. And there is truth. And there's things that are true and there's things that aren't true. And the people of God are to be able to discern the difference. Look at what Isaiah 30, 21 says. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. 
This is the way, walk in it. The Holy Spirit wants to be such a part of your life that you would hear his whispers leading your life. That it wouldn't just be about you kind of doing your own thing and making your own choices and doing the best you can with the information you've been given, but that you would literally have this person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, who's seen the end from the beginning, knows your future, knows the outcome, knows what's ahead, and he'd be whispering to you what direction to go. And I, I love it when, I, when people ask me, hey, would you pray for me about a decision I have upcoming? You know what that tells me about a person who's, who's willing to get people around them praying for major decisions in their life? It's like, I don't want to do this on my own. I want to make sure that what I'm doing and what the decisions I'm making are what God has for me. And so I'm bringing in wise counsel to process this decision with me. That's maturity. That's the sign of somebody who says, yeah, it's not just about what I want out of life. It's about me staying in step with the things that the Holy Spirit has for me. By this morning, I felt like we were to end this way. If you're here today and you say, there are areas of my life where I know that I need more of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I need more of his power. I need more of his strength. I need more of the reality of who he's made me to be. I want to pray that way. So if you're here, would you just uh, bow your heads and close your eyes?